Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Monday, June 28th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God, and the Holy Spirit helps us put on our Christ goggles, and boy do we need it in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 19 is what we'll read today. We just got past chapter 18, which can kind of be hard to swallow, but today we see what our Lord does when he provides for his people, and that's a good reminder for us, as he provided for Hezekiah with the Assyrian army right at its doorsteps, we know for sure that the Lord will provide for us. A word of the Lord like Isaiah brought to him today, and we need that same word, which is why we are here today. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome Pastor Paul Hemingway of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Springfield, Illinois. Pastor Hemingway, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you so much for having me. Pastor Hemingway, um, I wanted to tell this story first, is that when we started <laughs> at seminary, we started seminary together in 2002, and I remember uh, you were single. I was uh, engaged, but not yet married. And and we were hanging out in the dorms. And I remember one time, it was all of us guys. Most of us were just done with college. And we sat there, and, and finally someone asked the big question, how old are you, Paul? And you said, 34. And we thought that, oh, my gosh, this guy is beyond old. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has lived life. What is he doing? He's, you know, all this kind of stuff. I just remember that moment. And one, it was so cool that you were willing to hang out with us immature 22-year-olds. But two, um, I'm quite a bit older than that now. So I feel kind of bad because I, I thought of you as old and you weren't. So any thoughts on that, Pastor? Well, absolutely. That's, uh, I, I remember that actually very well, even though it was uh, so long ago. But uh, um, yeah, I, I remember thinking that at the time. They have no idea how quickly the time is going to go before they're this age. Exactly. So exactly. I, I, I remember oh. it's coming for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming for them. It's called gravity and it's yeah. coming for you. Yeah. Anyways. Um, That's right. So this is our first time together on Thy Strong Word, Pastor. Can you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us about your family and the work of the saints at Trinity Lutheran Church and School. Yeah, hey, thanks uh, again for having me. It's great to reconnect uh, and reconnect around the Word. Mm. Um, what, what better way to do it? But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so I am uh, the senior pastor here at, at uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in uh, Springfield. We're celebrating our 180th anniversary this year uh, of of the church being in ministry and the, and the school is not too far behind uh, 160, 161 years uh, or so. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a real blessing. I've been here eight and a half years now, and this is my second call out of the seminary. And it's, uh, it's just been a, a unique and, and very uh, cool time to watch God do his work and, uh, and and do it in unique ways, like he has been uh, working here at uh, at this ministry in Springfield. It's it's just been there's been so many cool things I've got a I've gotten to witness uh, through his power. So it, it's uh, it's just been really really uh, I I will I could write a book about my time here, wow. and maybe I will someday. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been it's if uh, if I 
and I did believe in, in the presence of God and the reality of God before I came here, but I, I certainly believe in his reality now after watching him in action here. Well, thanks be to God. Tell us about your family. Yeah, well, I like you said, I came into the seminary uh, single, and uh, while we were in St. Louis, I, uh, I was blessed to, to meet my wife, uh, Karen, and uh, we, we were married in 2005, and we have, uh, we have three children, ages 13, 12, and 8. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's what a blessing that is, uh, even, for, even for an older father like me. <laughs> you know, it's, been, it's been fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of which, I remember some of those old nicknames that you guys had for me at the seminary. Those were, those were pretty good. So. Well, I can't remember <laughs> them right biblical. now. Some are biblical. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow, I can't remember yeah. them, so we'll we'll keep that uh, to what it is. But uh, like I said, it's a it's a joy to have you. If I heard you correctly, did you say your church is a hundred and what? How many years old? Eighty. Hundred and eighty years old. What year was it founded? Yeah. Then I'm not good at math. Eighteen forty one. Holy yeah. moly! Holy moly! Yeah, and it's it's a it's a cool story. Just give me a second here. Yeah. Uh, our very first church. Uh, uh, was the house of our founding pastor, Francis Springer, who was the neighbor and uh, very, very good friend of Abraham Lincoln. And so he lived right across the street from, uh, from Abe. And if you go visit Abe's house, you can see Trinity's first church right there across the street from, uh, from uh, that place. And so we're in our fourth building as, mm. as a ministry and we're, we're in what, what they jokingly refer to as the new building, which was built in 1889. And so uh, <laughs> we've been here for quite a while, but our very first church was was uh, Springer's house right across the street from Abe. Wow. Kind of cool. That is very cool. A lot of history at this church, yeah. And the amazing thing about that, just for, I'm, I love LCMS history, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of uh, boring to many people, but uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod really came over in 1839, and it was not officially started as a church body until 1847. So your congregation exactly. is not that long uh, after the, 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 um, the Saxons came over to Perry County, which is about an hour south. Well, now it's an hour south of St. Louis. And so it's amazing to me to see how God worked at that time where people gathered and wanted to hear the word and receive the gifts of our Lord Jesus. And, uh, and that your church is a testament to that. 1841, proclaiming Christ um, for you, as, as we speak about here on KFUL. So thank you for sharing that, Pastor. Um, on that note, yeah, as we trust in our Lord, as you said, uh, the Lord is always with us and he is working. Can you begin our time in prayer? Absolutely. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. Your word is truth, and we ask that you would bless us, uh, sanctify us in the truth. Lord, uh, bless us today as we study this uh, part of the Old Testament and uh, and learn how something written so long ago in your hands has complete and total application to us in our lives today. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us, especially the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we search the Scriptures today, we find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 19, there's some crazy stuff that happened in verse chapter 18. And I think, as you said so well in, in prayer and, and also in our conversations, is that there's a lot of practical realities in this chapter. And it's very important for us to know what happened right before this. So, Pastor, can you give us some background in the previous chapter on 
Why did Isaiah uh, need to reassure Hezekiah in the first place? Well, they're under heavy duress. I, I think a lot of times we mistakenly believe that, um, you know, Israel's only problem comes up with, with, with Roman, you know, t- occupation mm. and whatnot. That, that is not the case. They, uh, the, the history of Israel is completely uh, riddled with opposition from opposing uh, forces, oppo- opposing nations, and, uh, and most often they're not uh, believing nations. So there's uh, not only the military problems that they have to face, but there's also the religious problems that come in uh, with, uh, you know, this opposition. And so so in our text, we're going to get to some, you know, comfort about, like you said, Isaiah reassuring Hezekiah. But it's because of the Assyrian problems that they are uh, undergoing, where uh, they're you know, basically just coming in and they, they have a formidable uh, amount of power uh, to, to play around with the Assyrians doing. So it, it doesn't look good for for the, the, the nation of Israel, uh, whether you're talking about the north or the south. It's just it's just not a good situation for them, and it doesn't look very promising. So uh, so the words of comfort that come to, uh, to King Hezekiah uh, from the prophet Isaiah are, are really good, which, again, I think we can look at the culture we live in today and say, doesn't look really great for the people of God right now. It seems like things are changing at such a rapid pace, and uh, we're you know getting more and more hostile to the Word of God and to uh, to all things Christian. And um, you know, I think this actually gives us some some enlightenment and some hope for why we should never despair. And I think you said it so well: is that Assyria was not like just a friendly neighbor to the north who was a little bit upset with you they had already taken over and deported <laughs> all of israel right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're gone and and not only that yeah. and pastor phil hoppy was on uh the program for chapter 17 and he said it so well that assyria was the kind of people that would not only take you out of your homeland but kind of he speaks about an Amos where it's almost like they would take uh, a fish hook and put it through everyone's lips and then have them drag each other along just to make sure that they were in staying in order. And, and they took you out in such a humiliating way, probably naked. And then at the same time, then brought these other nations into your homeland to live there who were in slavery. But they figured out that if we shame people almost to death, then we will have control over them. And Assyria did that all throughout this land, and they were right at the doorstep right. of Judah. So it is. I mean, kind of. It's it's like it's like our reality. Like Canada had that same kind of mentality. You would never be able to actually rest without fear. I think. Does that does that sound? I mean, yeah. any thoughts on that? Oh yeah, I, it, it's interesting. In chapter nineteen, God's going to turn the tables on this and say, "Hey, you know, you guys are way cockier than you ought to be because when you go toe to toe with me." But what you're saying is exactly <laughs> exactly true. That oh man, they, these guys were not abiding by the rules of the Geneva Convention. You know, <laughs> this was a, a really different ball game that they're playing by, and it was uh, it was a brutal, brutal world and a brutal uh, you know takeover that they are are carrying out. That's uh, and it is it, it is pretty stark compared to the way that we're used to discussing you know, military conflicts today. 
And I encourage our listeners, uh, on, in a Lutheran study Bible, which is what comes uh, from Concordia Publishing House, on page 609, it gives you a glimpse of the power of Assyria. It has a map of showing where the, the extent of their um, uh, their breath was. You know, it goes a long ways from the Mediterranean to the Persian Gulf, basically. They had almost complete control during really these hundred years that we're talking about from 720 to 620 at least. And along with that, a yeah. brutal mentality. So it is is everything you can imagine. So Hezekiah, uh, God bless him, becomes king of Judah in the midst of all of this. And now, just like us, he needs to hear the word of the Lord. So let's begin. Are you ready, Pastor? Yeah, please take it away. Let's do it. Uh, verses 1 through 8, we will... Begin, reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, 2 Kings chapter 19. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Elikim, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and the senior priest covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord Yahweh your God heard all the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, had sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid, because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the kings of Assyria, king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I'll put a spirit in him, so he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. So they... Hezekiah sends his people to Isaiah, and Isaiah has a word for them uh, and for and for the king. What what does he tell them? Yeah, he says, uh, "Well, it's right there, isn't it? The word of our God for all time. Uh, don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be afraid because of what you you've heard. Uh, you know, put put your trust in me. And when you have your trust in me, we don't." You know, you don't need to fear. You can use that energy on maybe handling the situation at hand. And, um, and what what a great uh, message of comfort that is uh, in the middle of all this. Because in Hezekiah, like we were saying, he has he has reason to, to uh, perk up his ears because these are not nice guys, uh, nor has he been in the line of, you know, a, <laughs> really a great bunch of kings and, and, uh, or, or leaders over Israel. And, uh, and so uh, God has, has allowed some things to happen to Israel. So it's interesting. He, he does the right thing so much in our text where he, he goes, uh, he goes in, into the house of the Lord and he, and he, he handles things with prayer and, and, and then he gets the message from the prophet and, and the message from God is don't fear. So if that isn't comfort. I don't know what is. Right. And it and it's well placed and, and Jesus does this too, right? When when Jesus is walking on the water, right? He's walking on the water and and he they see him walking, they're terrified, they say it's a ghost, and and they cried out in fear, and what does Jesus say? Take heart, it is I, do not 
be afraid. And <laughs> that in the midst of the most terrible of storms, right, on the, on, on the water, because these guys probably couldn't swim very well, in the midst of what is inevitable, I mean, uh, let's see, I've got to get his name right. Uh, well, we'll try to. Rob Sheka is Sheka, Rob Sheka, I'm going to say it that way, Rob Sheka, comes and basically says, you're going down. And now he says, in the midst of this, do not be afraid. And reminder, I love how this text says it too. This is the word of the Lord, not his own word. So, Pastor, any other thoughts you have in verses 1 through 7? It's it's a good turn from chapter 18. It, it certainly is, because chapter 18 does not end with this assurance that is taking place in 19. So, so like you said, okay, don't be afraid, because these are the words of God. There is also very something. There is also very some, some, something very interesting here, where uh, in verse at the end of verse six, he, he calls the, you know the, the 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 words of the the servants of Assyria who have reviled me. Mm-hmm. You know he he calls them out. He's saying they're they're making fun of me, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of this. And then what does he do in verse seven? I'm gonna put a spirit in him. He's gonna hear a, you know a rumor or a, maybe a better way of saying that is a report about stuff going on and this is going to this is going to lead to his uh, his downfall and like god is in the business of doing he makes a promise and he keeps it and that's exactly what's going to happen later on at the end of 19 and so so it's it, there's a lot going on here that hezekiah can chew on you know and uh, and a lot of promises being made to him just right here and, and right then in just you know these short amount of verses so it's uh it's pretty cool. Don't fear. I got this, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of business. <laughs> and exactly, yeah. And what I find to be very comforting is a lot of times in First Second Kings, you hear of a prophet, but you don't really know his story. Like you kind of have a prophet, and Elijah kind of shows up, and Elisha's there, and we kind of know he goes to heaven, and we know some other uh, dynamics of the prophets. But what's great is Isaiah shows up. And you're kind of like, oh, this is interesting, Isaiah. Is this the same Isaiah from before? Da 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 da. Well, it is. I mean, this is Isaiah right. um, from the prophet Isaiah. And so, when you know the story of his vision from the Lord, Isaiah chapter six, and he sees a Lord, and the Lord, uh, you know, takes the takes it from the altar, the um, the the burning coal, and puts it on his lip, and tells him that he's forgiven, and and your guilt is taken away, and he calls him to be his prophet and, and so forth, that really gives you an authority to know, okay, when he speaks here, do not be afraid. He has been in the presence of Almighty God himself. Um, that yeah, this exactly. is not a guy that just made this stuff up, you know. And that's that's one of the beauties, I think, of, of this time range is that it connects not only here but other prophets as well, that we're able to get the other side of the story and to see Isaiah, this makes to me this makes Isaiah's words throughout the whole prophet Isaiah, um, the sixty-six chapters, even more powerful. Any thoughts of those connections of Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah the book, and then Isaiah here? Any thoughts? Yeah, I, it's funny you bring that up because this, this morning at at Trinity, at uh, I, I teach a Tuesday morning Bible class. Right now, we are in chapters fifty-six and fifty-seven of Isaiah. Oh, nice! And, and so I told the crew, I'm like, hey. I'm getting ready for this uh, this KFUO thing on Second Kings and Isaiah's in there, so forgive me if I'm you know, switching back and forth. But it, what what was so cool about that is that first of all you can do that, 
okay? <laughs> the, the whole idea that the Bible is just a bunch of standalone books that don't ever have a thread through them or connect together is just, you haven't read the Bible if you think that. Mm-hmm. These, these things are all connected. And so, so the idea that, you know, like, okay, w- when you read Second Kings 19, and, and here, here's Isaiah carrying out the word of the Lord, you know, on, on behalf of the Lord, you're like, oh, yeah, this is very familiar because we have 66 books of this in the, you know, in the book of Isaiah. And the cool thing for us that I think is, 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 a, is a beneficial thing for you and I that live after, after the day of Pentecost okay, mm-hmm. and the work of the Messiah is that we have all of this in our hands. We have all of this, you know, that we can look at and go throughout history. Promise this, did it. Promise this, did it. You know, mm. made this prophecy through the prophet Isaiah, did it. I mean, we, we have the benefit of living in that time. So so the idea of looking at it and, and okay, here's Hezekiah, he's nervous, and, oh, here's, here's Isaiah who has, been you know the mouthpiece of the Lord for so long, and 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 watch. We've been able to watch all these prophecies come true. It's like it's comforting for us to look at and go, yeah, you know whatever we're going through right now, God's got it. He took care of He took care of stuff then. He promises to always be with us no matter what it seems like is happening, and um, and and that is a beautiful thing for us to be able to look at and have connected throughout the whole story. You know, especially as as that guy you know, that walked out of his own tomb on Easter Sunday was so familiar and talked about Isaiah the prophet, you know, and, and, mm. and did, you know, he connects himself back to all of this. So I, I just think it's very special for us as believers to have, have all of these things at our disposal to use and to walk us through the stuff that we go through. And that's not a mistake. That's our God, you know, comforting us, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's beautifully beautifully said pastor Hemingway because um, it's so humbling when you see the connection of the old and new testament but here again like i said jesus walking on the water says the same words that isaiah says which you can't help but understand but at the same time is that you read throughout isaiah and this is my encouragement to our listeners you probably have a passage that you know in isaiah what's isaiah 7 or or, uh, 11 or uh well you go down the whole list you know it's a 40 um 61 i mean it's it's everywhere that you can read that i would encourage you to read that and then as we look at second kings it gives you even a bigger picture of when he's writing these words in second kings this is the same guy that keeps telling us about Jesus in the Old Testament. And so he knew of the greater of what is still yet to come. So not he doesn't only say, do not be afraid, but he knows he, he has a probably even a bigger glimpse of what is still yet to come. I mean, that to me, that is absolutely humbling to realize. It makes you realize when he says, do not be afraid, and you see it with Jesus, who says it various times, that really gives us yeah. comfort for today. I don't know. That that's that's exciting. Amen. 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 Amen to that. I mean, that's it. That's, that, that, that's it. He is, you know, he's come to give life and he's come to take away our sins and connect us, give us the peace that passes all understanding, you know, because of our relationship with the Father now. And that's, Isaiah is is this connector and, and this uh, this thread through through that is being used by God for this wonderful message of comfort throughout all time. Yeah, I like the way you said that. that was yeah. Good. I'm going to use that. 
I'm oh, there. <laughs> yeah, here's a little secret. Here's a little secret for our uh, for our listeners that pastors tend to do that. Oh, that guy said that I'm going to use it too. Sometimes we give exactly. credit. Sometimes we don't give credit. Yeah. So verse seven, <laughs> verse seven, it says, right. "Behold." So he says, "Do not be afraid." Um, behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land and I'll make him fall by the sword of his own land. So he's basically telling them, don't worry about Assyria. They will not be able to come into this land. Right. Am I right in my understanding of what he's saying there? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what, (laughs) that's what he is saying. So that, uh, he's, he's going to have to get, he's going to have to get out of here. And when he does get out of here, it's not going to be pretty, man. Right. Uh, Game of Thrones has nothing on what is happening here in chapter 19. This is, uh, they ought to make a huge movie about this because it's, it's so, uh, so massive in scope, you know? Absolutely. Yep. That's something that sounds like somebody with some wisdom and experience to at least 12 years more than me should be able to do. What do you think? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, Anyways, we, got, we got the same education, right? There you go. There you go. So let's, let's continue <laughs> on before we get to our break. Verses eight through thirteen. Then Rob Shekah returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Tirhaka, king of Cush. Behold, he has set out to fight against you. So he sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the God of the nations delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Razeth, and the people of Eden, who were in Telazar. Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvim, the king of Hena, or the king of Eva? So, Pastor, right now we need to take our break, but I want to touch on what is the king of Assyria fighting back with? What is he trying to convince Hezekiah and the people of Judah of what's going to happen? But right now we need to take our break. We are studying 2 Kings chapter 19 with Pastor Paul Hemingway, and we'll be right back. On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org and welcome back we are studying second kings chapter 19 with pastor paul hemingway of trinity lutheran church and school in springfield illinois as we look at these last verses pastor uh we just quickly read them but right now it appears that uh, that Assyria and Judah are starting getting into a little bit of a word play, a little bit of a word fight, if you will. And what did the he came back and said, by the way, I don't think that anything bad's going to happen here. I think the Lord has us. And how does the Assyrian king respond? 
<laughs> well, not wisely. Um, <laughs> it really is. Again, if history taught us anything, it's that you don't go toe to toe with Yahweh, mm. and um, and you and it's best not to go toe to toe with his messengers either, um, as as you know we've seen before with Elijah. So. Um, yeah, he, he, I like one of the commentaries I was looking at is just called blasphemous boasts. And I, I think that's it. Mm. That's, uh, that's what he is. Try- He's trying to convince them. Hey, just give up, you know, uh, don't, what, what are you talking about? You know, you shouldn't believe in this God. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, and, and he, he talks about what he has done, uh, to the nation mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And so, He's trying to use a little bit of, yeah, see what we've done to the past. But I think what's interesting to note is that, yeah, you've had great success against gods that didn't exist. You know, they, they weren't real gods. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how much credit you want to take for that or how much boasting you want to do in that. But I, I, I like, I like why, you know, that, that commentary says that just blasphemy to, to go now say that you're going to take care of this God. You're not going to. No matter how many, no matter how many false gods you took care of, you never really took on God. <laughs> That's correct. Kind of how we yeah. want to say that you haven't taken on a real living God yet. So roll that back. And it's it's interesting, and I like how you you lay that out because it's kind of like um, you know, eight times zero is still zero. <laughs> You, didn't, you know, it's, you know, you, right. it did not matter whatsoever. And he says these words, which is good for us, I think, as Christians today, to realize how people can do a wordplay on us. When he says in verse 10, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising such and such and such. And I think that is a common thing that happens to us as Christians is someone says words like that and to say, how can you believe in a God who doesn't do X? or that he has promised to save you and da 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 but how do you really know i mean this goes back to the 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 snake in the in the garden the the serpent that basically how do you really know this don't let god deceive you you aren't really like x or this god will not do this and then it brings up all these questions into our hearts did god really say this so i really think that's important for us he's using those same words that we might hear in our own lives which we hear all throughout scripture Kind of that, did God really say? Any thoughts on what that means for us today? Well, yeah, I think it's important for us to be prepared for this and not be surprised by it. Mm. If if we live in a world that is broken by sin and all of its effects, you know, that means that the, the language of the enemy is going to be woven into uh, what we see in a broken world. And so, like you're saying, it's, it's going to have that always doubting, always questioning the, the truth of God, the authority of God, the power of God. And, um, and, it, and, it does, and he, does, he does it in subtle ways, you know, did God really say? It's, it's always that questioning and, uh, and, and really in, in ways that don't seem all that threatening but seem sort of innocent enough on the surface, but they really are a challenge to, to the authority of God. And we see that today, and here's where I think, and I say this quite frequently when I'm preaching or teaching here at Trinity, is if you want to see the language of the enemy, a lot of times, you know, where, where you can find that is, is in the comment section of an article, you know, on a site for a news source. So 
uh, whatever that may be. They're, they all have their problems, regardless of what site you're looking at. And, um, and in the comment section, you see this all the time, where if somebody brings up something in a Christian vein, a lot of times they'll be attacked with the concept of, you know, oh, I can't believe you believe in that, you know, fairy gods in the sky type stuff, or the myth of Christianity, or the lie of, you know, uh, faith or whatever. You know, you, you see it attacked in, in, in the language of the common people of the day, so it's it's very interesting how much the enemy has gotten that you know sort of language and approach into just the common day to day way of living that we have now and we, how we interact with one another, whether it's uh, online or or maybe even in person now. So it's everywhere. That lie is everywhere. So just like you know the the king uh, wanted to go back at Hezekiah with a lie. Um, you know, we need to be prepared for that and say, no, I'm all in on this God and he doesn't lie. And so I'm going to let him sort this out. I've seen enough throughout history. I've seen enough throughout my life to know the power of this God and what he's about. And, uh, and I'm going to trust in him. And that's what we're called to do. Now, is it always easy? Absolutely not. We are not Jesus Christ. So it's not you know, it's always going to be a challenge, you know, and even Christ himself was challenged as, you know, his, his manhood, uh, you know, the, 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 the man side of Jesus in this, in this uh, life was challenged with that. And, and so for us to think that because we have faith that it's always going to be rock solid and never be, you know, never be challenged is just a mistake to make. We need to be prepared for that. And, and God prepares that for us. You know, he, he prepares us for that, rather. So, forgive me. I'm, I'm I'm so excited that I can't talk right now. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm so excited. I don't make any I get any so sense. excited about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, and it goes, obviously, with, you know, always be prepared for the hope that you have within you. This is First Peter chapter 3. Yeah. Um, and the beauty of that is is we're reminded continuously that's why we have the Holy Spirit. You know, you you talked about this in this Pentecost season, that this is where he will prepare us for those right words at the right time. And that's exactly what Hezekiah is desiring. So Isaiah is there for him with the word of the Lord. Now we see an example of how we should respond when we have these kind of situations. Too often we think we have to respond with our wit and our intelligence and our guidance, um, our, our uh, experience, everything. But Hezekiah has a little bit different mode when he continues. So let's read on verses 14 through 19. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord Yahweh. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Yahweh, the God of Israel, Enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Yahweh, and hear, open your eyes, O Yahweh, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Yahweh, the kings of Assyria have laid waste with the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone." Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Yahweh our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God, God alone. So what does 
Hezekiah do when he hears kind of some threatening and could be quite taxing words that he hears? I think he does what we all ought to do (laughs) when we're uh, challenged or troubled or uncertain, and that's take it, you know, like the old hymn says, take it to the Lord in prayer and, and go back to God and say, okay, I'm, I'm trusting you, and what would you have me do in this situation? What, what would your will be for me? And I love, I love the way, the language he uses in this, where he, he really goes to kind of how we're, how we're called to pray in the Lord's Prayer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, all right? It, it starts with that, that praise of God and that, uh, that uh, understanding that God is above us. And so it's, um, he's acknowledging who God is. He's acknowledging that he trusts uh, in God. And, um, and he's going to hand this over to God and, and uh, follow, follow his lead, which uh, is challenging for us. And, but yet it's also always the best thing for us to do. And this prayer is often used, like in, in uh, for example, in the story Bible that we have in Concordia Publishing House, this prayer is in there. And it speaks a little bit about the story. And it's one of the beauty, like you said, beautiful prayers that are out there um, in Scripture. Because one, he continuously addresses that to the Lord. You know, he's incline your ear, O Lord. As we know from the small catechism, it's not that uh, the Lord doesn't know what's going on, but he invites us into that, I guess you say, conversation and plea and asking for those gifts. Um, it gives us the understanding of us being in our prayer to acknowledge who he is, the creator of heaven and earth. Um, like you said, this is a reflection of the Lord's prayer. And But then at the end, he knows, what I found interesting, verse 19, He knows that the Lord has promised that they will not be able to take care, they will not be able to come in, right? But in verse 19, he still prays. So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand and the kingdoms of the earth that may know that you, O Lord, our God, are alone, or you are God alone. Which I find interesting that he prays for the exact thing that God promised. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it it shows a, a lack of, yeah, at least he's hearing and listening, you know, um, which is what we ought to do more of <laughs> rather than true. try and superimpose our, our plans onto God. Um, so he, he's, he's listening and he's saying, okay, let, uh, Lord, please do this thing that, uh, that you're, that is, you know, that you're talking about. But what I think is so crucial that we all can learn from it at the end of 19, pray so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the God of all things, that there is no other. That, that is, is such a key lesson for all of us. And uh, not only is it an eternal uh, payoff for, for understanding God like this and praying like this, when we live that way and understand that here and now, it has a great payoff for us. Um, and so that, that is a, just some heavy-duty wisdom that he is displaying there um, in his prayer, uh, which it's, it's, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, to be sure, but uh, he's not, Hezekiah is not boxing out the Holy Spirit, you know, he's, mm. he's letting him work, and that's, that's something we all can learn from, you know. I, I, I look at this and just go, man, uh, 
I, I, I would like to be more like this guy, you know? <laughs> right, There's right. A lot, a lot we can learn about sanctified living from, from Hezekiah. So he goes right to the house of God. He's going to go pray. He's going to, uh, you know, he's going to downplay the work of the enemy, and he's going to downplay the work of idols, and now he's going to acknowledge the, you know, that, that God's glory would, would shine through everything. And that's it. That is, that is fantastic. And I love how he says in verse 15, oh, excuse me, 14, that he received this letter because, you know, this was a message in a letter form, evidently. And right. he went to the house of the Lord, like you said, and he spread it before the Lord. And I think this is a perfect way for us to think about prayer is that prayer is not, you know, sometimes we have this vision of incense and sometimes you envision incense, which is scriptural. I mean, he says that a lot of our prayer go up as incense. We kind of get this vision of that where right. it goes up and it kind of disappears. But here, I love how it says it, it, you spread it before the Lord and you just put it at his feet and say, Lord, you take it. Here's, here's what it is. I trust that you are the Lord and please save us. You said you're going to save us. I'm just going to ask it again because I trust in you just like a, a child uh, uh, requested from their loving father, which is catechism talk as well, um, and, and for the purpose of people knowing the Lord. But just to spread it out, I think this is a good – we can be more like Hezekiah <laughs> yeah. when we take those prayers and we just spread it out before him and say, Lord, I need your help. Here it is right in front of you. And any, I mean, I, we could probably yes. talk Hezekiah prayer all day. So any last thoughts on his prayer? <laughs> <laughs> I love no. That's a I, I I can't think of a better way of putting it. That's fantastic. That's what prayer is. That's exactly it. And and shouldn't shouldn't we all learn from this? This when, when we see a good example in scripture, let's let's learn from it and try and and uh, and and do what we see as being upheld as a good example. You know. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's continue on. We have to get through our text today at some point. Um, chapter 19, verses 20, and we'll go through 28, where there's another prophecy from Isaiah. Remember, before this, he says, do not be afraid. And now he gives us an understanding of why he says that. Verse 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib's king, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that Yahweh had spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem, whom you have mocked and reviled, against whom you raise your voice and lifted up your eyes to the heights, against the Holy One of Israel." By your messengers you have mocked the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up to the heights of the mountains and as far recesses of Lebanon. I felled its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses. I entered its farthest lodging place, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters. I dried it, and I dried up the sole of my foot in all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I plan from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants shorn of strength are dismayed, dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field, like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before its gown. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out and coming in, and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me and your complacency has come into my ears, 
I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way in which, by which you came. So th- this is, I mean, let's be honest. This, these are not words that I've heard a lot in, in ministry um, in Bible study. But boy, I think we could spend a whole day, just like we could look at a single psalm for 24 hours, to be honest. This one, we could dig the riches of this all day long. So what do you have for us on <laughs> yeah. these very, oh yeah, well, you have one minute, by the way, to get that done. No, just kidding. Um, but how, what, what would you say about these verses that the Lord gives to us? Uh, first of all, don't go toe to toe with this God. Never a good idea. <laughs> you're gonna, you're not gonna come out on top. He always wins, and and we also need to understand that he uh, he can smack talk like nobody else. Yeah, and, okay. And we see we see this all over the Bible. You know, I, I love Job thirty eight. You know, when he he starts talking. And, and it's, like, it's very similar to this. I yeah, like what, what yeah. one commentator said about this, addressing the Assyrian with devastating irony. I, I think those <laughs> words are fantastic. This is, this is how it, uh, God responds you know, to, to the uh, attack of, of any enemy. In this case, you know, uh, it's, it's the Assyrians. But, I mean, he, he really calls them out. He's like, man, you guys are so nothing that the little girls of, of Zion are going to make fun of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and by the way, do you remember how you got anything done? It was, it was because I, I allowed it to happen. Don't think that you went up, you know, into Lebanon or that you did this in Egypt or, or that you did this. You weren't responsible for, for any of this. Don't, don't, you know, get a big head about anything. And then he goes into kind of ramps up the game. Have, have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass. Mm. Nobody else can say that. You know, only God can say that. He, he's, he's the one who's outside of time so that he can, he can do these things. He can make these promises and then deliver on them. I, I just, it, it, I love that phrase, devastating irony, because that's, that's what he delivers here. And he just he just lets uh, lets the enemy have it. It's fantastic. You brought up some wonderful words: blasphemous boast and devastating irony. I mean, I d- I'm looking forward to the next saying that I can use in my sermon um, in a few weeks here. So I appreciate that. I love well, how you I love happy how you to help. <laughs> I love how you connected this to Job 38, which we had recently in our lectionary, and and that's a mm-hmm. he says similar language, but he uses it here. God does, where he says, okay, um, I've gone up to the heights of the mountains and the far reaches of Lebanon. I felled the tallest cedars, and I entered the lodging place and did all this stuff. And and how, how difficult it is for us as Christians to make it sound like, I did this, I did this, I did this. And unfortunately, by the end of the conversation, where is God? Any thoughts on how God mocks um, them for that? But at the same time, he might be able to mock us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As much as we're talking about Isaiah here and, and, and his connection to this situation, it's, it's, we, we should never forget that, you know, I, the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters, uh, is dedicated to a really a problem. And the problem is that the people of God forgot about God and his activity in their lives. And they started getting very, very, confident in their own abilities. 
So to say that it's not easy for all of us to slip into this mistake we see being made here is a mistake. So, so, you know, we got to we got to you know understand that's a mistake that that we're capable of and and do make. And it's not a it, you know it's, it's a pretty short trip from uh, for sinners like us to you know to be leaning on God one day and then turn into the Pharisees the next because mm. we're so confident of ourselves. So it's a good lesson to be reminded of here. Hey, let's 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 be humble and contrite like Hezekiah. Let's not be like Sennacherib, and let's not uh, fall into these these traps of thinking that we are doing something great apart from the power of God because we're not. You know, so it's it's uh, it's very crucial for us to keep all of that in perspective. As you said, Game of Thrones has nothing. On Second Kings, um, <laughs> that's right. I do throw down. Yeah, that's right. It's a throwdown, absolutely. So in verse twenty-eight, yeah. I like I like how uh, well I like how God says this because He's God. But um, He He says, "Because you rage against me and your complacency has come into my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and your bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came." And I think there's a double play here. First of all. Yep. I think he's he's using the words of what the Assyrians were doing to their enemies. Basically taking them, putting the hook in their mouth, and making sure that they were following them. But he's going to turn that around on them um, and say, this is how you're going to leave. All right, buddy? The way you take people out, I'm going to do to you. At the same time, it's kind yeah. of his call to repentance, I think, as well. Um, any thoughts on verse 28? Well, yeah, I, I, I like what you said about the call to repentance and, and the, the, the methodology here. He, he is teaching a pretty big lesson here. And, it, and it's, I mean, this is really, really clever. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> the same means that, that, that they are using, he's going to use against them. And what, you know, we know that our God, this, we see this in Scripture, that he wants to use these situations for people to come to repentance. You know, for people to to be woken up and and to to acknowledge him as as their God, which only works out for us, right? We're the ones that benefit when we acknowledge him to be God because we're the ones that are saved. And I think it's you know also interesting. He's he's going to do this very same thing to the devil uh, for all mm-hmm. eternity mm-hmm. by separating. You know, when he locks Satan up for good. Uh, Satan is going to be separated uh, from anything good forever and ever, which is exactly what Satan's trying to do to uh, us, the children of God. His activity is trying to separate us from God forever, and that is what is going to be done to Satan forever and ever. And it's promised, you know, in Revelation. So, uh, you know, we see God doing this to his enemies, using, using devastating irony. <laughs> there it is again. There it is. Because, That's right. Because of yeah. their blasphemous boasts. There it is. We know why now. <laughs> so, That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. read the rest of our chapter here because we're getting short on time, and I want to hear your thoughts. You got it. Yeah. Now it gets fun is the wrong word. Now it gets serious. Twenty nine through yeah. thirty seven. And this shall be the sign for you. This year, eat what grows of itself, and in the second year, what springs of the same. Then the third year sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For that of Jerusalem shall be go a remnant and the Mount of Zion, Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord will do this. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege amount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into the city, declares Yahweh. For I will defend the city to save it, for my own namesake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night the angel of Yahweh went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, they were, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nishrach his god, Adremelech and Sherezir his son struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ararat. And Esgardin, his son, reigned in his place. So, Pastor, we have about five minutes left here, actually about four minutes left. What's happening here? And I want us to wrap up what you think the, the meaning of this chapter is. So what's happening in these last eight verses? Sure. Well, uh, the chickens come home to roost. Um, this, <laughs> this is God delivering on his promise. But think about the magnitude of that, 185,000. That, that is a uh, that is not a small number, mm-hmm. and uh, I you just think about how how big of a deal that is, and you talk about the Lord totally, totally delivering the goods. Here it is, and um, man, this, this is that 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 is just an absolutely overwhelming statement by God of who He is, and 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 who He's uh, you know helping out, and and who His enemies are. And what I what is interesting too is that last ending where okay he destroyed 185,000 that did not include Sennacherib and then when all no. that is said and done he goes and worships the false god and while he's worshiping the false god the vengeance comes upon him from his own sons yeah. and then another son his own, son. yeah, his own yeah. sons and then they leave and then the other son gets a king you know <laughs> It's just this crazy story. Um, As you look at this, it it makes you realize, and there's a certain amount of grieving because why would it take 185,000 people to repent? You know, that they didn't repent. That's the first thing. Right. But then secondly, you see the hand of God at work and how the world would not all of Judah repent and be able to stay in, in Judah instead of continue to fall away and still end up in the Babylonian captivity. It's it's mind-numbing to even think through. So, Pastor, yeah, a lot to go through in this last chapter. I'm going to give you a minute and a half. How would you summarize this chapter? I would. I think that there's a lot. I want to get to the practical aspect, please. Of it, okay, because because I want to bring this into the 21st century for for all of us today. Um, and the lessons to learn is we shouldn't be surprised when we have enemies in this world that are against us because of what we believe in. All right. It's going to happen, but trust that God has got this. We have 66 books to look at of his activity throughout history and how he keeps all of his promises. And that's, that's what we need to spend our energy uh, focusing on. Um, We need to be in the word. Let's learn that lesson from, uh, you know, from this chapter and uh, from from the whole story itself, always be in the Word. Always go to this God who is the God of all things and pray to Him. Lay it out in prayer like you were talking about. Um, and then I think this 
should give us a power now and a freedom to live like we're called to, like this God calls us to live. And that is not in a spirit of timidity. It's a spirit of joy and a spirit of assurance and a spirit of confidence, knowing that regardless of what's going on around us, he's got all things in the palm of his hand. And that, that's a pretty cool way to live. Pastor Paul Hemingway from Trinity Lutheran Church and School from Springfield, Illinois, helping us to be strengthened by the precious word of God from 2 Kings chapter 19. Pastor Hemingway, thank you for being our guest. Hey, thanks for the privilege of it. It's great to connect with you again, and, and God bless your ministry. Yeah, you as well. Saints of our Lord, it is our Lord who is in control. He is in the driver's seat, as Pastor told us. God's got this. That if the people of Judah had the hundreds and thousands and maybe even millions of people about to overtake Judah and the Lord protects them, he also will protect us. And he's proven that on the cross and the empty tomb and he proves it every single day. May we be like Hezekiah and come to him in prayer and to trust as Isaiah said so well, do not be afraid because our Lord Jesus is on your side. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.